0: It's me again, Damien Barr, welcoming you back to the Salon Exclusive Podcast with yet more fantastic new books. My TBR pile is getting bigger by the day. Honestly, it never actually goes down and I do worry that it may one day be my cause of death. Anyway, on that cheery note, let me tell you about this week's episode. Take my hand is by New York Times bestselling author, Dolan Perkins Valdez. And it's one of those books that you can't stop yourself reading even though your heart is breaking, even though your pulse is racing and you are raging. In this story, Civil Townsend is a nurse at a family planning clinic in Alabama. She offers free birth control to women and through this the opportunity for women to make their own choices and shape their own destinies and control their own bodies, something that should not be controversial. For Civil, this work is a ministry serving young black women. But she begins to question the motives of the clinic when she learns that the injections they've been offering are still considered experimental, a medical practice known only too well to black people in America and elsewhere. And I describe that as a medical practice and I should say it's medical malpractice. Beloved author, salon favourite, Kathy Rinsenbrink said the book is moving, powerful and completely absorbing. I cared deeply about all the characters and rooted for them to the last page. The feeling is mutual. Here's Dolan with a reading from her novel.
1: Hi, my name is Dolan Perkins Valdez and I'm the author of the novel Take My Hand. I'm so excited to be reading exclusively for listeners of Damien Barr's Literary Salon. I'll be reading from the beginning of the book, so I'll just set it up a little bit. Take My Hand was inspired by the true life story of two little girls in 1970s Montgomery, Alabama, who were put on birth control at a very young age. My main character, Civil Townsend, is a recent nursing school graduate who has accepted her first job at a federally funded family planning clinic. Her first patients are these young sisters, but it's not long before Civil discovers there is something horribly wrong with the clinic's perception and treatment of its patients. So again, I'll be reading from the beginning of the book on Civil's first day at the clinic when she meets her supervisor, Linda Seeger, and also another nurse, Alicia, who will eventually join her in her fight for justice and later become her lifelong friend. Montgomery, 1973. There were eight of us. When I think back to the time I spent at the clinic, I cannot help but stumble over that number. What might have been, what could have passed, none of us will ever know. I suppose I will still be asking the same question when I'm standing over my own grave. But back then, all we knew was that we had a job to do, ease the burdens of poverty, stamp it with both feet, push in the pain before it exploded. What we didn't know was that there would be skin left on the playground after it was all over and done with. In March 1973, nine months after graduation, I landed my first job at the Montgomery Family Planning Clinic. On the day i started two other newly hired nurses val and alicia began with me the three of us like soldiers showing up for duty hair straightened uniform starched shoes polished caps squared child you couldn't tell us nothing our supervisor was a tall woman by the name of linda seeger i swear that woman had three eyes nothing escaped her notice despite her stone face a part of me couldn't help but admire her. After all, she was a white woman working in a clinic serving poor black women, trying to do the right thing. And doing that kind of work required a certain level of commitment. Congratulations, you are now official employees of the Montgomery Family Planning Clinic. And with that, the training was over. One week, a 50-page orientation manual, half of which concerned cleaning the rooms and the toilet and keeping the supply closet organized. We had spent three days just going over that part, long enough to question if we'd been hired as maids or nurses. On day four, we finally covered charting patients and protocol. When the more experienced nurses noticed our downcast expressions in the break room, they promised to help us in our first few weeks. We were in this together. As we dispersed, Mrs. Seeger pointed a finger at me. Civil. Yes, Miss Seeger? She pointed to my fingernails with a frown, then retreated to her office. I held up a hand. They did need a clipping. I hid my hands in my pockets. The three of us new Hire squeezed into the break room and removed our purses from the shelf. One of the nurses nudged me gently with an elbow. She'd introduced herself earlier in the week as Alicia Downs. She was about my age, born and raised in a small town up near Huntsville. I'd known girls like her at Tuskegee, pie-faced country girls, whose wide-eyed innocence contrasted my more city self. I don't think it's real, she said. What? She pointed to her own head. That red helmet she called hair, it ain't moved an inch in five days. Look like a spaceship, I whispered. Alicia covered her mouth with a hand and I caught a glimpse of something. She'd been putting on an act all week in front of Miss Seeger. Alicia might have been country, but she was far from timid. I bet if you poked a finger in it, you'd draw back a nub, she said. (laughs) The other nurse glanced at us, and I rearranged my face. Val Brinson was older than me and Alicia by at least a decade. You crazy, Alicia Downs, I told her as we walked outside. She might have heard you. You look at your file yet? I took a yellow envelope from my bag. I had been assigned one off-site case, two young girls. Nothing in the case jumped out at me other than wondering what on earth an 11-year-old would need with birth control. According to the file, she and her sister had received their first shot three months ago and were due for the next one. You got anybody interesting, she asked. I wanted to tell her that was a dumb question. This wasn't a talent search. Alicia had been trained as a nurse at Good Samaritan in Selma. She was pretty in a plain way, and there was a ready smile beneath her features. At one point, Miss Seeger had asked, "'What do you find so funny, Miss Downs?' And Alicia had answered, "'Nothing, ma'am. I just felt a sneeze coming on.' Then her face had gone dull and blank. Miss Seeger glared at her for a moment before continuing with her instructions on how to properly clean a bathroom toilet in a medical facility. "'Not really. I didn't know how much I was allowed to reveal about my cases.' Mrs. Seeger hadn't said much of anything about privacy. Two school-age girls on birth control shots. "'Well, I've got a woman with six kids,' Alicia said. Six? You heard right. Well, you better make it quick before it's seven. "'You got that right,' Alicia waved to me. "'Well, I'll be seeing you,' I waved back. "'I'll be honest and tell you, there was a time I was uppity. I'm not going to lie about that. My daddy had raised me with a certain kind of pride.' We lived on Centennial Hill down the road from Alabama State, and all my life I'd been surrounded by educated people. Our arrogance was a shield against the kind of disdain that did not have the capacity to even conceive of Black intellect. We discussed Fanon and Baldwin at dinner, debated Du Bois in Washington, spoke admiringly of Angela Davis, and when somebody Black like Sammy Davis Jr. came on TV, it was cause for a family gathering. But from the very first day I met Alicia, she ignored my airs and opened up to me. As I watched her walk away, I knew we would be fast friends. Civil? Oh, Lord, what does she want now? I turned to face Mrs. Seeger. Might I have a word? Yes, ma'am. She went back inside the building and let the screen door slam shut behind her. A gust of warm air swirled around me. I could swear that woman surged fire when she spoke. There had been scary professors at Tuskegee, so she wasn't the first dragon I'd met. Professor Boyd had told us if we were so much as two minutes late, he would mark down our grades. Professor McKinney divided the class between women and men and dared us to even think about glancing over to the other side. That kind of meanness I could handle. The thing that bothered me about Miss Seeger was that I always had the sense I could mess up without knowing how. Inside the building the reception desk was empty I positioned my cap and smoothed the front of my dress before knocking on her door. She had taken the trouble to not only go back into her office but to close the door behind her. Come in she called. The clinic had formerly been a three bedroom house. She converted the smallest bedroom into her office. The other two were examination rooms. The old kitchen was now a break room for staff. The living and dining spaces served as reception and waiting area. From the back of the building, we could hear the roar of the new highway behind us. Bookshelves lined one side of Miss Seeger's office, the file cabinets on the other. On the wall behind her desk hung at least a dozen community awards Rotary Club Woman of the Year, Junior League Lifetime Member. The services were clutter free. On top of the desk sat a cup of pencils, the sharpened points turned up. She cradled a file in her hand. Sit down. Yes, Miss Seeger. I took a seat. "'The window was open and a sparrow was chirping insistently. "'I understand your father is a doctor in town.' "'I could now see that she was holding my employment file. "'When I tried to speak, I coughed instead. "'Are you sick?' "'No, ma'am. "'Because in our profession, we have to maintain our own health "'in order to help other people. "'You must rest and eat properly at all times.' "'Yes, ma'am.' "'Very well. So your father is a doctor.' I knew what she was about to say, the same thing my professors at Tuskegee had lectured when they discovered my father and grandfather were doctors. Your marks are impressive. Of course, as a woman, you have other issues to consider. Starting a family, for instance, you have wisely chosen the nursing profession, Miss Townsend. I never knew what to say when they sounded off like that. The beginnings of a compliment always ended up stinging like an insult. Usually, I mumbled something incoherent and wondered if I was just being too sensitive. Yes, ma'am. We have been sanctioned by the federal government to execute our duties. We must take our mission very seriously. A wheel cannot work without its spokes. We are the spokes of that wheel. Alicia was right. The woman's hair didn't budge. What I'm saying to you, Civil, is that you are a smart girl. It's why I hired you. I have high expectations of you because I think you'll make a fine nurse someday. I don't want you to go getting ideas. She had just paid me a compliment but it sounded strange in my ears. Ideas about what ma'am? She frowned and for a moment I worried that my tone had slipped into insolence. About your place in all this. You have to work together with your fellow nurses. Our mission is to help poor people who cannot help themselves. Yes ma'am. I sat quietly Digesting her words, my daddy had made sure that I was educated not only in my books but also as he had once described, it, in the code that dictated our lives in Alabama, knowing when to keep your mouth shut, picking your battles, letting them think what they wanted because you weren't going to change their mind about certain things. The woman is trying to pay you a compliment, civil show her you can gracefully accept it, yes, ma'am. I won't disappoint you, Miss Seeger. She nodded, and civil. Don't forget to clip those fingernails. Yes, ma'am. I'd been called into the fold of the health profession as early as junior high school. Although my daddy wanted me to go to medical school, I'd always known nurses occupied an important space when it came to patients. Medicine was a land of hierarchy, but nurses were closer to the ground. I was going to help uplift the race, and this clinic job would be the perfect platform for it. Miss Seeger could have been doing something else, but she had chosen to help young colored women, and her approval meant something to me. Our work would make a difference. I was determined Miss Seeger would not be disappointed in me. I was going to have that dragon eating candy out of my hand before it was over and done with.
0: Civil, I wouldn't be so sure. There's more to Missy Seeger than meets the eye. And without giving away any spoilers, I can tell you that this story will take you on a journey through ethics, through reproductive justice, through racism, all pointing to that dark and devastating time in American history that doesn't feel like history in the present moment and really isn't for so many people. Thank you so much to Dolan Perkins Valdez for a reading from her novel Take My Hand. The book is published by Phoenix and is available now in all good bookshops and I'm loving the work that Phoenix are doing just now. You can get this book in your local independent bookshop in your local library, which is free for you to register and use. And if you want to support the work that we are doing, then you can buy a copy from our shop on bookshop.org. Now, you're going to be pressing this book into the hands of everybody you know and I trust you to do that. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your attention and I hope you join us again soon.